Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Cool. Well, we're going to do kind of a fun, like, slap in the face kind of message tonight. Um, And uh, I've entitled this message, uh, Garbage In, Garbage Out. Garbage in, garbage out. Turn to your neighbor and say, garbage in. Turn to your other neighbor and say, garbage out. Your neighbor did not just call you a piece of garbage, okay? Don't, don't get confused. You're like, first, you didn't make any noise when he asked if you liked who I was sitting next to. Now you're calling me garbage. That's not what happened. Uh, but I hope that this simple title will stick with you. Um, I, I used this title for a message that I spoke uh, in youth ministry like seven or eight years ago. And uh, I was talking to my wife Saturday night. She said, hey, what are you preaching on uh, Sunday? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm calling it Garbage In, Garbage Out. And she said, didn't you preach that for the youth group? I'm like, holy cow, that was eight years ago. And this title just stuck with her. And I was like, cha-ching, that's awesome. That's the goal. So hopefully this title will stick with you because I believe that this is a very simple principle that can really help you to guard your heart and really avoid a lot of trouble Uh, going forward. And so we're going to talk about garbage tonight. Do we have any uh, parents in the house of babies? Any, any uh, couple, few people, anybody, you're just a parent. You had, you had babies at one time. Anybody? Okay. Some, I know we got a lot of people in the room. You have not had babies yet. And so I'm going to do you a favor. This may be the most important part of the entire message for you. I'm going to introduce you uh, to this incredible invention called the diaper genie. Matt, if you're going to ruin my message, you can leave right there, okay? <laughs> this, this, this invention is life-changing, okay? Make sure you get the name brand because I think the knockoffs don't work as well. Um, but, but this invention right here is no joke, okay? So if you don't know what a diaper genie is, trust me, as soon as you have a, a cute little baby that passes demonic vile things, you will understand the need for this little invention right here, okay? It's, it's amazing when in the hospital, this baby is just adorable. You know, you're posting on Instagram, you're so proud of who this little baby is. And then when the nurses stop coming in to change the diaper and you see what comes out, you're like deleting stuff off your Instagram. You're like trying to negotiate with the hospital. Like, what do we got to do to... Just kidding. But maybe. Um... No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not kidding. Um, babies are awesome. You should have them um, in the right time. Uh, but th- this invention is incredible because this, this, this little baby, and especially as it starts to transition, you know, eating more and eating different things, it, 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 it can leave an impact on the household. And so this invention is, is incredible, right? It's this nice, clean, sleek piece of white plastic, and inside you have this narrow, long garbage bag. Now, inside, when you hit this little pedal, you have these, these hands that open up. When you have a dirty, nasty diaper, all you do is you drop it in the hands, and when you let go, these hands shoot it down, it closes, and then the lid closes on top of it. Now, the bag and some of this material, supposedly, it says on the box, that there's like odor-killing bacteria. I don't even know how that works, um, but some, something odor-killing inside of it. And so you can literally drop a disgusting diaper in there, walk away, and the room doesn't smell. It's insane. And maybe some of you guys don't know this, that, that haven't had babies, but there is a period of time in the beginning where that baby can do like 12 to 15 diapers a day. It is wild, absolutely wild. And then the diaper amount may get smaller, but the amount in the diaper always gets bigger, if you know what I'm saying. So 
Literally, this is huge. This is a, a, a big, big thing that you need if you have babies. Now, as amazing as this thing is, it really feeds into my procrastination um, because I have this disgusting diaper that if it was in my kitchen garbage can and every time we were throwing something out, I'd be reminded of the fact that I need to change that garbage and get that thing out of my house. Well, because this thing works so well, it would feed into this procrastination on my end. And so I would just keep funneling diapers into this thing. And these little hands have a way of just, they keep compacting and pressing things down. And so I would just keep doing this to the point where I, the thing literally would be like breaking. Like I couldn't step on the, on the pedal anymore. And then I'm like, oh gosh, I got to change it. Well, the first time that this happened, I was horrified to see what had happened on the inside. Because from the outside, everything looked good. Everything smelled good. I was completely unaware. I don't know what I was expecting that I'm putting waste in here for like a month straight and not even thinking. Can I tell you something? When, when, I, when I opened it to change it, there was liquid in the bag. I'm just going to leave it right there. Like things had literally just decomposed. Wow. Now, as I'm changing it, I'm like, man, God forbid, like, one of my other kids, if they would have bumped into this, it would have exploded. Like, I, we would have been on News 12. I probably would have taken out half the block. And then I was like, it's, it's a long, narrow bag. Almost looks like a warhead. I was like, I wonder how much I could get on the black market for this. Like, this, this absolutely could do some damage. I felt like I needed to put a sign on our garbage cans outside for the garbage men to be like, handle with care. Um, it, it was wild. It was absolutely wild. Honestly, though, it didn't change anything. I still procrastinated and had to deal with that mess every single time. Maybe you're here tonight, you're like, what is this guy doing? He's literally talking about dirty diapers. Uh, we are, but this is where it ties in. I, I think so many of us, so many of us who have a, a walk with God, we operate and do life like a diaper genie. We have mastered the ability to allow things into our lives to entertain certain things, to engage in certain things, to be a part of certain things, and we have mastered the, the way to act. We have mastered the things to say. We have mastered the ability to answer questions in a way where I cover my tracks, where I throw you off my scent. And so from the outside, when you see me in church and you say, how you doing? And inside, I know exactly what I was doing the night before. I have mastered the ability to say, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. You going to Bible study tomorrow night? Awesome. Yeah, I'll see you there. That's great. I'm looking forward to it. That so many Christians master this ability to hide and to mask what's actually going on on the inside. And we become so good at it and we do it for so long that I think that just like a nasty diaper genie, if we were to open up the inside and we were to get a picture of what was actually going on in our souls, it would turn our stomachs. We would be alarmed. But because it's just out of sight, out of mind, because we're not smelling it, maybe we're not reaping the consequences in the moment, it just becomes too easy to just bury things deep down inside. I just pack a little bit more garbage in there. I'll deal with it later. I'll get, I'll get right with God later. I'll, you know what? I'll come clean later. I'll, I'll handle this later. I'm still young. I got time to work this out. You know, I'm a baby Christian. I'm, I haven't been doing this that long. It's all right if I, if I do this a little bit longer. I, I got my whole life to figure it out. You know what? This is just my struggle, but my wife doesn't know. My kids don't know. My boss doesn't know. And I'm able to just, you know, keep it compartmentalized. And so it's, 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 it's all right. As long as it's not hurting other people around me, I can deal with the consequences. I can pack it in a little bit deeper. 
But I want you to hear tonight this simple principle that when garbage goes in, garbage comes out. When garbage goes in, garbage comes out. Now, I've learned a few things about garbage over the years, spiritually speaking, physically speaking too. But I want to give you a few things I want you to write down tonight. I want you to pray on this week. I want you to, to ask yourself, to evaluate this week. And nobody else can answer this question but you. Now, now, this message may seem like a downer in the moment. But as you'll see as we walk through this, that this is for my benefit. This is for your benefit. This is for my good. This is for your good. And so I want you to write a few things down tonight. The first thing I want you to write down is this thought. The longer that I entertain garbage, the quicker I am to engage in garbage. The longer that I entertain garbage, the quicker I am to engage in garbage. You know, it's so funny. I don't know if you experienced this in your household, but we have three little ones. And uh, it's insane how quickly our house can go from clean to unsanitary. It's unreal way too fast. And so it's, it's unbelievable. And what I've noticed is that if our house is clean and, and we break out some toys, clean toys, but toys, right? My, my son is at a phase right now, he loves Legos. We got a whole tote full of Legos. The whole house can be clean. If I allow Carter to play with his Legos and there's Legos spread out all over the floor and they go to bed, and we don't clean those Legos up, the next morning I have noticed that when there's a little bit of garbage spread out, my kids are more apt to just go reckless and dump garbage everywhere. Like I live in the Wild West. My kids will literally peel an orange and just drop the orange peels on the floor. I'm like, what, what are you doing? But I've noticed that the more that we can keep the house clean, the less apt they are to do that because it sticks out. Because it's that much more obvious when the floor is clean, when things are picked up, that it, it sticks out. It may hit them a little different than doing something so blatant because everything else is clean. But, but the longer that we just allow garbage to hang around, the quicker they are to just embrace it completely and become little heathens and destroy the house. You know, it's the same thing in our walk with God. It's the same thing in this spiritual journey that the longer that I allow things to just stick around... The longer that I entertain things that, that are desensitizing me spiritually, the quicker I am to do things that I swore I would never do, the quicker I am to say things I swore I would never say, the quicker I am to think about things that I've told God I would stop going there. But it's because I've allowed myself to become comfortable in garbage because I've entertained so much for so long that when I get the opportunity to just engage in it, I'm more apt to actually do it. You know, Paul says in Galatians 6, 7, he says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. What Paul is saying is, you're going to harvest what you plant. This isn't rocket science. So if, if I uh, plant tomatoes, I'm not going to get strawberries. If I plant corn, I'm not going to get pumpkins. So in other words, if we're going to bring this down to spiritual terms, why do I always think that I can entertain things that glorify sin, things that promote promiscuity, things that pull me towards addiction, things that have that that desensitize my morals and my convictions and I begin to come why do I think that I can allow those things in my life, that I can entertain those things in my life, that I can live amongst those things in my life, and then be shocked when garbage comes out of my life? 
why do I think that I can allow all this garbage in and then blame God because I'm not seeing gold coming out of my life? Why, why do I think that I can entertain all of these things and then I'm shocked because I'm a Christian that I'm not sensing his peace? I'm not sensing his joy. I'm not sensing his prompting or his leading. I'm not sensing his purpose or his destiny in my life. I don't sense any of these things that I read about in the Bible. And, and God, what's up? You said that you were going to give me all these things. Well, the Bible is very clear that what you spend time planting is what you're going to reap. What you sow into, it, that's what's going to come out. So don't be deceived. Don't think for a moment that you can continue to live like you did before you knew Jesus and that just because you've asked Jesus into your life, now he is going to supersede your current decision making to do what he said he was going to do. You have the ability to now be empowered by the grace that has saved you to live differently and make new choices and make the decision to sow the things that you want to reap. Because if you sow into garbage, garbage is always what's going to come out. Paul says in Ephesians 2, he says, It wasn't long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief, and then you exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. If you look around the room for a moment, I hope you feel comfortable because there's not a single person here who can't relate to what we're talking about, myself included. Every single person in this room deals with garbage, mishandles their garbage. And every single person in this room has hope because you deal with the ultimate garbage man named Jesus. You might be sitting here like, what are you, I, I, you know, I get the whole diaper picture, but I can't, I'm not drawing a correlation to what kind of diaper I shove in my heart. It's all right if you're slow. We accept everybody in here. <laughs> Just kidding. Please come back. You know, I bet if you were to look up all the lyrics of the songs that are continually playing in your car, of the songs that are in your AirPods, day in and day out, I bet you'd be pretty embarrassed to read those in front of your mom or your grandma. I bet you'd be pretty shocked to hear the things that those songs are promoting and bragging about and glorifying, and those are the very things that you are listening to over and over and over and over. Those are the things that get stuck in your mind and you think about over and over and over and over. Those are the very things that you become so desensitized to that you begin to sing those things over and over and over and over, and you're completely unaware of what is actually coming out of your mouth because you've entertained it for so long. It's not just about listening. You know, the Bible says that, that the eye is the lamp of the body. If we took a moment and we started to, to look at the search history, the browser history, the movie history, the Netflix history of what we watch, I think our eyes might be a little bit opened if we put the search history up here in front of everybody. I mean, I mean the movies that we watch that are, are full of language and violence that are promoting morals that, that we would hate to have happen to us or we would destroy our family or affect our family in a negative way, but somehow we feel okay watching it. The movies that are full of, you know, I love this. Oh, man, it's a great show. A lot of sex, but it's a great show. I'm like, oh, oh that, yeah, that makes sense. What do you mean it's a great show, but it's full of nudity and sex? Like, I, I, 
But we, but it's okay because we can compartmentalize. It doesn't affect me, you know. I, it's, it, it's natural. It's a good show, though. You should watch it. You know the things that we allow ourselves to sit and watch, the things that 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 we recommend to other people, the things that we'll think about throughout the day, or talk to somebody else about, or recommend to somebody else, engage in conversation about. That's full of garbage. But because we do it so much, we become so desensitized to it, we have no idea what it's actually doing to our soul. We have no idea what's actually going on on the inside because from the outside we can keep it all together. From the outside we can compartmentalize it all. What about the conversations that we engage in? What, what about the way that we talk about other people? And we can justify it and, well, hey, listen, if you knew what that person did to me, if you knew what that person did to him, you wouldn't think there was anything wrong with us talking about the situation. No, that's actually not what the Bible says. But we feel justified. We justify talking about people instead of talking to people. And, and engaging in gossip and slander and all of these things and tearing people apart with our words and breaking people down instead of building people up. What about the people that you hang out with, that you spend the most time with? I'm not talking about the people that God has put a, a burden on your heart to go influence. I'm talking about the people you hang out with that you allow to influence you. That instead of you bringing them up, they're constantly pulling you down and you know it. But you refuse to separate yourself from it. And so you allow yourself to just spend all of this time with people who don't hold the same morals as you who don't believe the same thing as you, who, who, who put seeds of unbelief and doubt and, and call into question all these things, and they always make you do dumb stuff, and they always bring you to a point where you're, you're compromising and doing things that you shouldn't do and wouldn't do, and, but you just continue to, to hang out with them. What about, what about drugs and, and, and alcohol? What, what about things that we can, we can justify saying, like, you know what, I'm not an addict. I just do it recreationally because, I, you know what, I work hard all week. I want to enjoy my weekend. I want to have some fun. I feel like I'm entitled to that. And so I feel like I can dabble in this. I can dabble in that. I could do this. I could do that. And I'm good. But, but we, just, we, we just we keep doing it and we can justify it and we can make ourselves feel like we're entitled to it. And, 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 and if you start to question, like, do you think you're drinking a little too much? Like, do you think it's gone past the point of uh, you're just having a beer to, like, you kind of seem dependent on it. Like, it, it kind of seems like now it's drifted into a part where instead of you just having it to have it, it kind of has you. Like, you had a bad day, so you need it now. And you've become more dependent on that substance or that alcohol than you are going to God and saying, God, I need your peace. I don't need to numb anything. I don't need to forget about anything. God, I need you to give me your Holy Spirit and give me wisdom in this situation. What about lust? What about the way that you look at girls? What about the way that you think about guys? What about the things that you picture that person in the opposite sex? What about the pornography that you watch when nobody else is looking? And you can justify it to be like, you know what? And I was a champ at justifying it my whole life. God made me who I am. God put those hormones in my body. And so if God didn't want me to do that, God wouldn't put those hormones there. I'm going to struggle with it my whole life, so I might as well just embrace it and contain it and manage it. You know, we'll say whatever we need to say to be able to deodorize what we're actually dealing with, to hide whatever we're actually dealing with, to compartmentalize whatever we're actually dealing with. 
What about those sexual relationships? You know, I'm a single young adult. Do you think God actually expects me not to have sex with people just because I'm not married? I haven't had sex with someone in two months. You think God's going to send me to hell because I, I hooked up with a girl last night? I, I just don't see I'll I'll ask for forgiveness tomorrow. What about the relationships that we allow ourselves to engage in? The convenient things that we like to, to make exceptions for, say, well, contextually speaking, in the, in the context of where we're at now, and that was back then in history, and I think that God would, you know, God understands what we're going. No, you're allowing garbage into your life. You're packing your heart and your soul full of garbage. And what you sow, you're going to reap. Jesus did not die for you to sow garbage and for you to reap garbage. Jesus died and gave you grace so that you could live a life that you and I don't deserve. But through him and his grace and his mercy and his patience, I can live a life of purpose and of destiny and of forgiveness. Proverbs is this book written by King Solomon, the wisest person to ever live. And he talks about in chapter 4 the importance of guarding your heart, of guarding your garbage. He says this in the Passion Translation, starting verse 23. He says, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. In other words, he's saying, you need to guard your heart because the things that you allow in, they affect everything. You may think that you're a good genie and you can hide it and you can deodorize it and people aren't the wiser, but it affects everything. Don't be deceived and don't be mocked. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For from there flows the wellspring of life. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. Above all, above all, you need to guard your heart. Above all, you need to be aware of what you are putting in your soul. The more garbage, the longer I entertain it, the quicker I am to engage in it. Second thing I want you to write down is this. Buried garbage will never disappear. It will only decay. Buried garbage will never disappear. It will only decay. You know, we become so good. I've said this already. We become so good at out of sight, out of mind. And, and I cannot just hide it from you. I can actually deceive myself into falling into this trap of I did it. I said it. I engaged in it. It happened. I'm just going to block that out, act like it didn't happen, and I'm going to try to move on. We live by this out of sight, out of mind. But spiritually speaking, it's what's out of sight that controls your mind. It's what's out of sight that actually holds your heart. And so that's where Solomon, in all of his wisdom, can say, inspired by the Holy Spirit, above all, guard your heart. Above all, guard your affection. Guard your attention. Watch what you're entertaining. Watch what you're allowing on the inside. Because not in, in farming and planting, not only will you reap what you sow, but you always reap more than you sow. 
It always amazes me when you can see how small seeds are that turn into a big plant that bears more fruit. Or how small a seed is that actually can turn into a tree. Spiritually speaking, Satan doesn't need to throw everything at you at once. If he can just plant some seeds, if he could just bury some garbage, he knows full well what that will turn into, what that will grow into. You hear me say this all the time. You know, if, if Satan were to come to you and say, hey, listen, I'm going to show you what this is going to look like in 20 years. I'm going to show you the impact that this is going to have on your life and your business and your marriage and your family and your relationship with your kids and your relationship with your siblings. And I'm going to show you how your life is about to spiral out of control. Nobody would sign up for that. No, no, nobody would engage in that. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't throw the plan at you. He just, he just plants the seed. He just gives you the seed to, to bury deep inside. Because he knows that if, if you can just start to get used to planting garbage, that one day it's going to just develop into full-blown bondage, full-blown captivity, full-blown chaos that now you're reaping in your life because you've made decisions along the way to allow things to be planted in your heart. You may think, you may deceive yourself and say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just, it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of garbage. I'm just, it's one time. It's two times. It's only on the weekends, right? It's, it's, it's a holiday. Everyone, yeah. I don't know what I'm referring to. That's weird. Holiday. <laughs> I didn't, honestly, I didn't have anything in mind. It's just. But, you know, we can justify it saying, you know what, it's just a little bit. And we convince ourselves into thinking that it's just a little bit that we section off, that we compartmentalize, but the actual reality is just like this. I don't know what I'm thinking when I just keep depositing these cute little diapers full of disgusting things. What's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is they don't just sit there in a nice, neat little pile. The things that you allow into your life, they don't just sit there in a nice little pile. They, they begin to stink. They begin to rot. They begin to decay. And then what happens is they begin to affect everything, everything around you. If you've ever had a diaper genie, you know about the dreaded diaper wedge. And this, this happens to the best of us. You know, sometimes you got a baby who just blew out a diaper all the way up its back and things get chaotic real quick, really quick. And, and you know, you can be in a rush and you can be trying to wash the baby off, wash your hands off. You got other kids screaming, chaos, things on the stove, whatever. And, and you can be in a hurry and you can make the mistake of assuming that the diaper went in the hole and it actually wedged the top open. And you can walk out of the nursery and you come back an hour later, it smells like Brookhaven straight siphon sewer gas into the nursery for the last 48 hours. You talk about rage. You talk about, I mean, it's like a cloud that you walk into that you can taste in your mouth that you're worried that it got into your pores. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And you're, and you're shocked. It's the truth, though. It's the truth. Dog, if you want to babysit, man, I'm trying to take Faith out on a date. The reality is this, I don't know why I'm always surprised at how disgusting it is coming out when I know exactly what I've been allowing to be put in. Because it doesn't disappear. Just because I don't see it or smell it, just because I can throw you off my scent, doesn't mean that it's going to fix itself. Doesn't mean that it's going to go away. Doesn't mean that I'm going to get past it. What it means is that I'm allowing that thing to sit there, to rot, to decay, and it's going to begin to affect every part of my life. Jesus says in Matthew, he says, for out of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, 
For, for inside is what you smell. For what's in the well is what comes up in the bucket. Have you ever said something or reacted a certain way that you surprised yourself? That you're like, man, I can't believe I flew off the handle like that. I, I, I can't believe I would say something like that. Maybe after the fact, when the headache goes away, you're like, wow, I can't even believe last night happened. I can't, I can't even believe I did that stuff. I can't believe I said that stuff. I can't believe I engaged. Have you ever been surprised at what you could do? The reality is, is that if garbage is the only thing going in, garbage is the only thing that's coming out. And it's going to come out way worse than, than how it went in. Because you're always going to reap more than you sow. Don't be deceived into thinking just because you don't see it, it's going to disappear and fix itself. That thing will decay if you don't address it, if you don't clean it out. The last thing is I call the band up that I want you to to write down and think about this week is this. What you choose to hide will always hinder your walk with God. What you choose to hide will always hinder your walk with God. Those things that you grow content with hiding, with burying, they will always hinder your walk with God. You hear me say this all the time, but intimacy requires honesty. If we're going to have a real relationship, if we're going to have a real friendship, then I need to know that I need to know the real you. I need to know what's going on. I need to know that when we talk, that you're telling the truth. I, I'm never going to feel close to you if it's always shallow, if it's always surfacy. I'm never going to feel close to you if I start to realize that what you say is not true. I'm going to question everything about you. If, if we're going to have intimacy, if we're going to be close, it requires honesty. And the same is true with your walk with God. God sees everything as it is. But when you and I choose to be dishonest, you're never going to feel close to God or intimate with God because intimacy requires honesty. There's this guy in, in the Bible named King David that probably most of the people, even if you didn't go to church, you've probably heard the name. This is the same David that killed Goliath. And it's so amazing that David is defined and referred to as a man after God's own heart. You know, when, as pastors, we do a lot of funerals. And when you're doing a funeral, you've got to sum up somebody's life. You got to sum up somebody's existence. And you're asking the family, could you tell me about the person if you don't know them? You know, could you give me some information? And you're trying to encapsulate somebody's life. Could there be anything better said about you than someone who is a man or a woman after God's own heart? What an incredible summation of a life. But you know, if you know about David, King David, the king of God's people, David did some jacked up things. You know, there's a story that's pretty famous in the Bible where when David should have been out to battle with the army, with God's people, David stayed back. And when David stayed back, he actually saw a lady, another man's wife on a rooftop, and she was naked. She was bathing. And instead of looking away, David watched her. And David didn't just watch her. David actually sent for her. And because he was the king, Everyone had to listen to him. And so David sent for this lady, this other man's wife. She was brought to him, and David slept with her. And David was trying to hide it, but then he finds out that she's pregnant. And so instead of coming clean, David is continually trying to hide it, dropping diapers in the situation. And David calls for her husband, who was a man of honor and integrity, who was out there fighting the battle, and he brings him back. And it's a long story, but in the end, what happens is that David sends a note 
to the commander with this man. And he tells the man not to read it, and the man goes and he gives it to the commander. And what the note said was, put him at the front lines of the battle, and when the fighting is the fiercest, draw back. In other words, David was committing murder because he didn't want to admit what he had done with that guy's wife. So David, he does this, and and even after he does it, he had become so accustomed to hiding it, he doesn't even, it appears that he doesn't even feel that guilty afterwards. So then what God does is God sends a prophet to come and tell a story to David that's an illustration of what David had done, and David is enraged when thinking about somebody else's actions, and then he actually says, you're the one who did this. And it's not until that moment that his eyes are open. Now, you and I, if we're sitting here saying, I've never committed adultery, I've never committed murder, how could this guy be defined as a man after God's own heart? You know, I believe that it's not your mistakes or lack of mistakes that define being a person after God's own heart. It's how you deal with those things. It's how you handle yourself. It's you understanding that I am a child of God. And so even when I do make a mess of things, even when I do mess up and I make terrible choices and I do things that I believe are irredeemable, I'm going to go back to the feet of Jesus. I'm going to go back to my creator and my father in heaven. And I'm going to accept his salvation and his grace and his forgiveness for my sins and my mistakes. And David does this. David just falls to his feet. And you see this picture of this broken man with the weight of everything that he had done. And I can't even imagine the guilt and the shame that David felt. And he was fasting and he was praying. And it's a big, long story. But years later, you have this book that's written called Psalms, which is basically a compilation of prayers and songs, most of which were written by David. And you have this chapter in Psalm 32 that most theologians believe David is talking about the sin that we just talked about. David is talking about the situation of adultery and murder. And I want you to hear the words of a man who lived it, who lived hiding things, and his advice for you and me. He says, How blessed and relieved are those who have confessed their corruption to God. For he wipes their slates clean and he removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Before I confessed my sin, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. The pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped, and my inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. And I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions, and you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed away and all my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. For if you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you'll be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with the songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. Verse 10, he says, my conclusion is this. Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for your forgiveness, his wrap around love will surround you. So celebrate the goodness of God. His wrap around love will surround you. 
See, when you choose to hide things, you hinder your relationship with God because you are preventing God from doing what Jesus died to do. Jesus died on the cross so that you wouldn't hide anything. Jesus died on the cross so that you don't have to live life like a diaper genie covering up everything. Jesus died on the cross so that you could come boldly to his feet and bring everything that you have done, everything that you are struggling with, everything that you are tempted with, everything that you've entertained and engaged in. And say, God, I'm bringing it to you. God, I'm sorry, and I don't know what to do with this, and I don't want to live like this, but God, I want to give this to you. See, Jesus, I referenced this earlier, but Jesus is like the ultimate garbage man. He is. I mean, there's this understanding that you and I have with our garbage man that, you know, for me, it's Tuesday morning. So come Monday night, I'm taking my nasty, stinky, disgusting garbage in that pail. I'm going to put it on the street. Tuesday morning, that garbage man is going to pull up. He's going to empty it into his truck, and he's going to take it away, and I'm never going to see it again. There's this unspoken understanding that we have. I do my part, the garbage man does his part. It's the same with Jesus. I do my part, I come to him, I come back to him. Like David, a man after his own heart, I say, God, I messed things up. God, I've made bad decisions. God, I have entertained and engaged in things. God, there are things that I've been depositing and sowing into my life, planting in my life, and I don't know what to do with it. But God, I know that your word says that if I come to you and I confess everything to you, that you are faithful to cleanse me of everything, that you are faithful to wipe the slate clean, that you are faithful, that when I'm ashamed, when I'm embarrassed, when I'm guilty, to wrap your loving arms around me and take me back once again. Is there anything more embarrassing and exposing than when a demonic raccoon spreads your garbage all over the front lawn and you wake up the next morning and there's car, all your neighbors are driving by and they're seeing everything that you ate for the last week. They're seeing all the garbage. And maybe it's one of those weeks where you decided to empty your bathroom garbage. So it's not just food garbage on your lawn, it's like toiletry garbage. Is there any worse feeling? Have you ever wanted to murder an animal more than when a squirrel or a raccoon does that? It's terrible. You feel uncovered. You feel exposed. God does not put his finger on things in your life and in my life so that we feel ashamed, exposed, uncovered. God will convict us of things because he desires to set you free from those things. God is saying, I didn't just die for your salvation. I also died for your freedom. And these things that you're doing, these things that you're allowing in, they are causing you bondage. They're holding you in captivity. So out of my love for you, out of my goodness, out of my faithfulness to the best version of you, I'm going to keep putting my finger on those things. I'm going to cause an uneasiness in your soul. I withhold my peace because I want you to bring those things to me because I did not die for you to live like this. There is so much more for you than this. And God is so good. The Bible says in Psalms that when God forgives you of your sin, man, he throws it as far as from the east as from the west. That when he forgives you and he wipes the slate clean, it is gone. It is deleted from your story. 
It's not like he's holding it in his back pocket to one day whip it back out and remind you of what you've done. When he forgives you, you are forgiven. Maybe you're here tonight and, and, and you have never really even realized that you needed God, that, that you even have this need for him. Well, I can tell you this. We may take the garbage men for granted, but if the garbage man just decided to not come to my house for four weeks, I think I'd realize how important he was real quick. As garbage started to mount up, and as I have nothing to do with it, and as it begins to rot and stink, and as I begin to be exposed to everyone around me, and everyone is seeing what's going on, and there's just dysfunction and chaos and things going on all around me, I think I realize my need for the garbage man. Maybe you're here tonight, and this is just eye-opening to say, man, I have been trying to survive. I've been trying to maintain. I've been trying to manage all this chaos going on in my life. I had no idea that there was somebody who was faithful and good enough to take all of these things and take all of these things that I planted and uproot them and say, no, I'm going to give you blessings and I'm going to lead you and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to wrap my loving arms around you and tell you it's going to be okay. I'm going to give you peace and I'm going to be there every step of the way. Man, if you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus died on the cross, man. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life so that you could bring your garbage to him, so that you could get to the point where you push everything to the curb and you say, God, I don't know what you can do with it, but I give it to you. I give it to you. God, everything that I've done, everything I've said, everything I've thought, every action, everything, God, I give it to you. And God will forgive you in that moment because of the sacrifice of Jesus giving his life. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.